it was really easy to be able to track my activities. Our leadership made it very clear that they were not using Vivin to track our productivity. It really just helps me understand where I should be spending my time. And it provides insights for our management to not only protect my time and balance the workloads, but also for resource planning. Welcome to Presales Heroes, the podcast by Vivin. Today's episode is about the experience of a high-performing individual contributor and how she became a power user of Vivin to drive even greater impact in her organization. I'm your host, Perry Bronson, and I'm so thrilled to be here today with my former colleague, a friend, and now a customer of Vivin, Senior Solutions Consultant at Iterable, Katie Behrens. How are you doing today, Katie? Hey, Perry, I'm doing so well. Thank you. It's great to talk with you today. Oh, you too. Where are you dialing in from? So I am coming to you from Denver, which is really exciting. I just got into a new house. Congratulations. So we like to start off our episodes talking about your hero origin story. So in other words, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about how you got into pre-sales. Gosh, you know, it's so interesting because... I was talking about this with some coworkers the other day, and it seems like no two people get into pre-sales the same way, um, with the exception of my fiance and I, who we actually both started out in journalism, ironically, and our lives just really journeyed us to to become solutions consultants and working in pre-sales. And it really makes so much sense because journalism is all about telling a story. And that's exactly what you're doing in pre-sales as well. You're telling a story, you're helping people understand and connect the dots. That's kind of where I started and how I got here. Now, I've definitely taken a couple of turns around along the way. And I don't know if we want to get all into that, but uh, happy to if we do. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I love the reference in there of the power couple. So two pre-sales folks now engaged to be married. That's amazing. With similar backgrounds. It's always a joke. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the background and really what led you from journalism into this technical pre-sales. Yeah. Role. It's so interesting. So I started out in journalism. I I was working at NBC News in New York. And after I was there for almost two years, I just totally took a left turn in life and and wanted to get out of the hustle and bustle of New York City. And I actually started working in real estate, property management, doing a little bit of that where you kind of are a jack of all trades, which is really the first uh, or really the second foray into what it means to be in pre-sales. So the first one is, you know, the storytelling of journalism and then being a jack of all trades, having to deal with accounting, operations, you know, problem solving, solutioning, all of that in in property management and real estate. And then I kind of took a a life pause and was like, you know what, I really need to get back into some sort of communication, which is what, what I really was good at. And so I started working for a company out of Orlando, Florida, Isaiah, and they essentially do influencer marketing. And it turns out that while I was on their account management side of things, they actually also had an in house technology solution. And so as I I was there. I, I slowly migrated over to the technology side of the business, licensing the technology. I was working with my teammate who mostly dealt with the commercial side of things. And I dealt more with the strategy and how to actually help the folks who we were licensing the product to use the product, understand how to get the most out of it. And that's really when I saw the first bit of pre-sales and what it meant to actually do things that weren't related to the the sale itself, but actually really supported it. 
And then from there, I, you know, took another left turn and moved out to San Francisco and really started my first true solutions consulting role at Dynamic Signal, of course, where you and I met and had a, a wonderful time on the team there. And I took another little turn at Oracle and, and now I'm at Iterable uh, doing solutions consulting. And each role has kind of led into the next role in some way or another. And, and I'm really kind of all, all pulled together somehow. It's that sort of deep subject matter expertise that you came in with. Um, I know certainly at Dynamic mm-hmm. Signal, having that communications background gave you such a strong position. And it seems like from there, you just kind of developed more and more technical skills to go alongside that deep expertise. And you were actually a team lead when I was working with you. Curious to hear a bit about what ended up keeping you uh, on the side of the IC and running deals instead of going more into the, the manager track? Yeah. So, you know, for me, it really comes down to, and and I was an athlete in a former life. So, you know, you're going to hear a few sports analogies from me, but when I was at Dynamic Signal, I was being a, a player coach. So I was being an independent contributor as well as helping lead some of the other solutions consultants on the team. And for me, I just had this feeling that I wasn't quite done being a player and I I loved being in deals and being a part of them. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that you know that you're ready to be just a coach or a manager when contributing to other people's successes means more to you than being in the game yourself. I don't know if that's selfish to say, but I just really love being on the ground, hearing from customers and and what they are seeing and what they're struggling with and really being able to help use that to guide their solution, but also help guide the product. And so for me, that's really one of the big reasons that I enjoy being an independent contributor so much and haven't wanted to jump over to being a full-time manager just yet. You know, things could always change, but that's really kind of where I am today and I'm really enjoying it. Spoken like a true leader. I, I think it's wonderful how you lead by example. And honestly, it's one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on the podcast, having worked directly with you. You were always the one showing the team how to adopt new solutions, showing the team how to get better without having that be your main criteria. And just having that willingness to, to sort of help everybody be forward thinking about adopting new ways of doing things. So I can imagine that you've been very instrumental in driving adoption of Vivid. Of course, of course. I mean, it's fun being an independent contributor. I love being able to fully own my own performance and the outcomes and being able to keep track of that and knowing that if I put in the work, the prep, I do everything that I can, I do well, it's on me. But if I don't, that's also on me. And and that's one of the things that I, I truly enjoy about being an independent contributor, but also you're a contributor. You get to contribute to the larger team. And uh, Vivin has really helped my team with that overall as well, being able to stay on track and being able to know what everyone is doing and, and how everyone is supporting the team. I heard you mention earlier, loving being very close to the product and the use cases and the buyers and the customers. And I think it's worth noting that we've actually worked on two teams together. We worked on in pre-sales and then we went over to the product marketing side and and you ultimately went back. But how did that experience of working in product marketing influence your approach to pre-sales? 
You know, it's so interesting and and also really funny because pre-sales and product marketing overlap so much more than people realize, right? I almost every single solutions consulting team that I've been on or that friends have been on have this idea of MBOs, management-based objectives. And those MBOs really fill a gap that is missing from product marketing or sales enablement. And so a lot of the things that we're doing, helping with collateral, helping with training, All of those things that as a company grows and has more teammates involved and more teams, those get outsourced to product marketing and sales enablement. I know that you and I, before we were on product marketing, a lot of those little side projects we were doing were projects that could have been owned by those other teams, but they didn't have the resources. And so it made sense that you and I both migrated into product marketing. But one of the things that really drew me back to pre-sales versus staying in product marketing is that in product marketing, you get to write the plays, right? You and I worked on this whole sales playbook <laughs> together and we had this all this orchestration, all this stuff being put together. But when you're in product marketing, you're not in the field running those plays. And so for me, that was something that I really felt that I was missing. It, it makes a lot of sense. I, I certainly, certainly miss aspects of pre-sales and can imagine what drew you back. And so now you're at Iterable, a cross-channel customer experience platform. Amazing company, by the way. Congrats on the huge $100 million ARR milestone. It's just amazing. And you guys are taking on these very established longtime marketing companies. It's, it's pretty impressive what you're all doing. Curious to hear how is your org structured in a way that has supported these aggressive growth milestones and also disrupting the status quo, really. I love how iterable is structured and how we support the the sales team over our overall. Um, you know, so the way that we're structured at iterable is that we have our solutions consultants who are 95% pre-sales. You know, we occasionally help on upsales for existing customers. And then we also have solutions architects who are probably about 95% post-sales, but they're occasionally going to come in and help with prospects when we really need to dot I's and cross T's and, and really think through more of more complex enterprise deals. And so we have that strong partnership with finding solutions, both pre-sales and post-sales and being able to have the ability to lean on one another has really helped. And, and I think because of how iterable structures our pre-sales organization, now we actually don't have direct alignments to different account executives or account directors but on the sales team. I actually think that that really helps us be a stronger team and contributing to the overarching success of the sales organization and not just solely focused on what are my patch of deals and my accounts that I need to be going through. Got it. So it's more of a a round robin in terms of which AE you're working with on any given deal. Exactly. And, you know, I've thought a lot about this in terms of, oh, well, are direct alignments better or are round robins better? You know, my fiance and I have had quite a few conversations on it and there's really pros and cons to both. Right. And I think it it really comes down to how does your team need to succeed? And one of the things that I love about the way that iterable approaches it is that I have the ability to support deals across all market segments. So while I'm working on these large complex enterprise deals that are maybe spanning several months, I can also get a few quick wins with our SMB team. And so it's a really nice balance to have, but on the same hand, 
you also don't get to build those super strong. These are the three, four, five people that I work with day in and day out uh, relationships. So, you know, again, pros and cons, but I do think that as our organization is growing, it really allows us to spread our knowledge and expertise in a really powerful way that has contributed to our success. And you can have different experts dropped in on different deals based on what is needed at any given time. Oh, that's really cool. So it's almost like a center of excellence model where pre-sales can be dropped in wherever you need to, to be successful, it sounds like. And at least at the the org level, having a foot in the entire customer journey, if I understand correctly, you all roll up into to someone who's managing or owning pre-sales as well as post-sales. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I hadn't even thought about the center of excellence. And I, and I really love that because that is exactly what we have in place here today, where if you need a solutions consultant to support an existing customer, we can do that. If you need a solutions architect who you know is probably 10 times smarter than myself, really understands the technical nuances of things, I can request them to help on a deal that I'm running in the pre-sales segment. So really, it does allow us to be extremely agile and have the right resources at the right time. It's an interesting model. It sounds like a really good one. And I, I know you've worked at a, a good number of teams at this point. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear, what do you value most in your pre-sales leadership? Oh, man, this is a really good one, Perry. And, and definitely something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, especially you know, as so many people I know are, are considering going into management and what does that look like? How do you become a good leader? And honestly, for me, I really think it boils down to emotional intelligence and empathy. Those are the two biggest things that I think really make a good leader and a good manager. So having a manager who actually cares about my personal life really does make a big difference. You know, an iterable has four core values, one of them being balance. And that's a lot easier to accomplish when my manager knows what's going on in my life and not just looking at me in a vacuum for what I have going on work. I'm planning a wedding. I just bought a house. All these other things really contribute to my mental load that I have. And being able to understand that from my manager's perspective helps benefit me in terms of what type of workload can I have at work at the moment. Yeah. And, and being able to bring your authentic self to work as well is going to create an environment where you can do your very best and you're motivated to grow and continue getting better. It's really encouraging to hear. It's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's just someone who genuinely cares about you as a person, not just you as an employee, I think makes a big difference. And you and I, we've both worked on uh, pre-sales teams that have been shuffled and reorged and all that stuff. It's part oh, of yes. this. <laughs> happens to the best of us at some point. So what about in terms of the org structure? Do you have like a, a preference mm -hmm. there in terms of how you roll up to executive levels? You know, I think... One of the things that I actually really like about Iterable is that solutions does not roll into sales. It does not roll into customer success. We roll directly into our COO. And I actually think that that allows us to operate with some level of autonomy and gives our VP the opportunity to strategically think about what is the vision and the role of a pre-sales and post-sales in our case organization? How do we support the revenue goals that we 
we have for new net new business, as well as renewal and growth within our customer base. And I think having that structure has really helped us because we are not akin to only supporting what sales needs at any given day or not only looking at how do we close deals through the lens of our professional services and our customer success teams. So that's been a new organization structure that I have really enjoyed uh, with Iterable. That sounds like a really healthy sort of checks and balances model. We talked earlier a little bit about you, you know, you're sort of a natural leader and that love doing the IC work for now, at least. How can team members be empowered to lead? So this is really a question to help pre-sales leaders out there know how to, to empower their teams to do more as ICs and to, to feel more ownership and autonomy. I think knowledge sharing is a great place to start. And going back to how I got into pre-sales, you know, I took five left turns and and got here somehow through a number of different uh, roles and opportunities. And, And what that comes down to is we all have a unique journey. And with that comes experiences and expertise. So every person on a team is going to have those unique experiences and different expertise And we're going to be able to share so much of that with each other. So one of the things at Iterable is our team meetings, you know, we're broken up by different regions, but all each team meeting is filled with team-led sessions to share updates about the product, or did you know XYZ about the industry, or hey, let's go on a mobile deep dive, or let me share some lessons learned after I was going down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out a solution for a particular customer or prospect, and have the opportunity to allow each person on the team to share what they know has just made us all so much better. And it also allows us to kind of make that, you know, Rolodex in our brain of, okay, I'm going to go to Jonathan when I need questions answered about this topic, or I need to go to so-and-so when it's going to be a mobile specific topic. And, and I think it really just comes down to share knowledge and give teammates the opportunity to share knowledge with each other. Spoken like a true leader once again. I will say, Katie, it sounds like you might be doing some construction in your new house. And I hear a small fleet of people or elves in the background. But, oh my uh, gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I totally understand. Uh, working from home, the joys. Yes, but the project list is long. <laughs> I bet, I bet. No worries at all. Excellent suggestion. And I, I think that's a great way to not only empower the individual's with the knowledge sharing, but also to empower the rest of the team to get better and again, lead by that example. So in in your experience, what role should pre-sales play in the company's strategy? And really, what's this opportunity at the next level up? And I know this is a bit of a jump from uh, the day-to-day stuff, but I, you're also very strategic thinker. And I know you're always looking for the next big thing. So did, did want to ask you this, this bigger question. I think that pre-sales has usually has the best pulse on how things are going in any given deal. And we can really understand what where the market is trending. And one of the things that we lean on at Iterable is that we have all of our account executives and they're in X number of deals in any given time frame. However, because our solutions consultants are on that round robin structure, chances are we're going to be in 
three, four times as many deals as our account executives, which means that we have that better pulse check on the market. We understand where there are gaps in our product faster. We also understand where there are new opportunities to explore different uh, use cases, different industries, different ideal customer personas. So I think that taking the knowledge of the pre-sales team and being able to document it and really share overall makes a huge difference. And I think that the other thing for us as well is just kind of like taking a step back and how does pre-sales actually really help? Well, we get to understand is a deal really a deal, right? You know, we don't necessarily need to look at it with rose colored glasses. We can actually say, okay, you know what? This is a deal worth my time to really dig into, or you know what? This probably isn't going to be the best deal. Maybe we can still make it happen, but let's also focus a little more effort over here where we're going to have a better chance of winning. So I think just being able to take a step back and understand what that looks like from not necessarily a sales perspective, but just a overall prospect success, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And you do that enough times and you're going to start coming up with insights and it will impact the the sales process, the qualification process, what it takes to get this expensive function involved. You know, we're all nice people. We want to be helpful. But at the end of the day, if you're spending hours on something that's never going to close, that's not a very strategic way to go about things. Exactly. Yeah. And honestly, the ability to track when we are spending good time on things or when we're not has also just been a huge eye opening for our organization and myself personally. You know, I did a little bit of given data crunching on my team and realized that, you know, I was spending way too much time on creating custom demos for some of our like SMB segments. Well, you know, that gave me an opportunity to say, okay, let me pivot how I support deals and be more effective to my highest and best for the company's highest and best. And, you know, it's little things like that that really helps you tweak your strategy and go to market. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to empowering the team to be leaders because you have access to that data and it doesn't take you hours and hours of, you know, more more time that's not going towards revenue. You can quickly look up those kinds of insights and act yourself, not just wait around for your manager to kind of say, hey, how much time are you spending on this? Is that a good use of your time? Also curious on the product innovation side, I I know as pre-sales folks closest to the product and the buyer use cases, you know what's going to get deals done. Iterable, I've heard, has this sort of mission to democratize how decisions are made and and bring data to the table. How does that look for you in pre-sales? Yes. So I'm sure everyone is super familiar with the good old Google spreadsheet of, you know, product requests and what we're hearing from customers and trying to find that one source of truth. And one of the things that we've always struggled with historically, and I don't think this is a, you know, isolated to an interval thing. I've seen it in a lot of companies is that there's no source of truth with how much revenue is associated with any particular product gap or feature that we're lacking. And so one of the things that we've actually done with Iterable is we've used Vivin to actually be that source of truth where we can not only log product gaps, but directly link those product gaps with opportunities where there's actual dollars and cents associated with it so that we become that direct conduit to share information with product. Because 
One of the great things about pre-sales is that we're the ones on the ground hearing what prospects need, want in their solutions. And more often than not, we're hearing the, the gaps with a more attuned ear than sales, which is just hearing what they want to hear sometimes. And so we're actively using Vivin to log those opportunity and product gaps, which is then allowing us to clearly show what our product misses in the market are and relay that to our product team with data-backed evidence of, hey, this is why we need XYZ feature or why we need to invest in XYZ infrastructure, what have you. Um, and, and it really does make a big difference. One of the things that we're doing that it has really helped keep it top of mind for me, because you know you hear things and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that that's you know, a miss, but we forget to log it and we forget to share that information with others. So our team actually put in a, like a quarterly spiff for the most product gaps logged in Vivin. And this really helps keep it top of mind for all of the different solutions, consultants and solutions architects who are working with our customers to just remember to go log those. It gives us the chance to even log the most nuanced little thing that could help impact one small change in our product in the future. Extremely powerful and motivating. I love a spiff. Yeah, solutions never get spiff. So when it comes to being strategic and influencing the organization, we've talked a little bit about pre-sales can be deployed in many different ways and locations. Also curious about this sort of center of influence idea where pre-sales is really setting the example for many other departments in the company, partially because of the unique skill set, right? You have this strong business acumen, you're always thinking about the buyer and the customer, and you have the technical chops to get things done and communicate intelligently to product and engineering. But you also have unique set of data insights. So how are you setting that example as a pre-sales org? And do you have any advice for, for others? I would say that the pre-sales team is the team that either has the answers or nowheres to find the answers. And so, so many other teams with an iterable really look to us because they know that we're going to be able to help them or we're going to be able to give them the right information. And that's really helped elevate our relationship to sales as well as across the business, because we have that influence to, to be able to find answers. And the other side of that is that because we're in so many deals and we're working with so many different customers, we really are the voice of customers before they even become customers. We understand what it is that they need and how they are approaching different things in the market, what their POV is. And this is really special because it gives us the opportunity to really see changes in the market when they're first emerging and being able to relay that information to our product team uh, before it becomes formalized customer feedback saying, oh, you know, I need XYZ to continue to be a happy customer. We can get in front of that and say, hey, we're hearing from so many different prospects that we need this. Let's start moving in that direction and really just help shape that product vision as part of it. Now, I mean, our product team is incredible and they're doing a lot of this as well. But I think just where we're uniquely positioned in a deal with customers and prospects and being able to hear day in, day out what people who choose us, as well as people who don't choose to work with us, want and need, makes a huge difference. It absolutely does. And it's just such a natural thing that happens when you're talking to buyers. That's really cool that you can show other orgs in the company how to represent the customer and uncover what they need in different ways. So everyone knows that there's this 
extreme value, inherent value of being data-driven. And of course, that's that's one of the ways you're leading by example. You know, you have all these insights that help you optimize. Yeah, we all know Vivint can help you do that. But in order mm-hmm. to do it, first, you as a team member had to start using Vivint, right? So can you tell me yeah. what was it like adjusting to a new platform to manage your deals? Candidly, I was never a Salesforce power user. I, For me, half of the fields in there didn't mean anything to me. And having Vivin focus specifically on what my role is in pre-sales was amazing. And it was really easy to be able to track my activities. And I also want to say that our leadership made it very clear that they were not using Vivin to track our productivity, but rather to understand what we were spending time on. So not how much time, it had nothing to do with the quantity of time we were spending. So if any given week, I only logged 20 hours against my opportunities, that's okay. That you know, And I think that that was actually a really big piece of it was the leadership change management associated with it and the why we're doing this, not what you need to be doing um, so much. And so being able to understand the value of tracking activities so that, you know, I can go back and say, oh, I need to tweak the time that I'm spending on building out total custom demo assets for our SMB business. But it really just helps me understand where I should be spending my time. And it provides insights for our management to not only protect my time and balance the workloads, but also for resource planning. Hey, we have more than half of our solutions team is, you know, at capacity, we need more headcount and we have the data and the evidence to back that up and prove to management why we need more team members. And our team is is growing. We have so many new team members and that's really been a big piece of it. That is so great to hear. And I have to admit, before I came to Vivin, part of my due diligence was checking in with ICs I knew who are already using Vivin and making sure it's a good experience. And clearly, I heard great things since I'm here a year later and very, very happy and so so pleased to be on here with you today. Some final thoughts here. If you were thinking about how to be better as a pre-sales leader, invest in your emotional intelligence, focus on that empathy, mm-hmm. let your employees bring their authentic selves to work. I think that's great advice. And don't be afraid to own the entire customer journey. I love how pre-sales at Interval is really solutions and pre-sales at the center of influence, center of excellence. Really cool how your org is taking ownership of all of your customer growth journey and rolling up to your own executive, your own VP. I think that's something every company should have. And ultimately, pre-sales folks out there, set an example at your company. Be the data-driven org, driving impact across the business. Once again, Katie, it's just been such a pleasure meeting with you today. Thanks for taking the time. Oh my gosh, of course, Perry. This has been so wonderful. I personally have enjoyed using Vivin. It really does make my life easier and gives me the space to basically give my two cents on what's happening in deals. Whereas, you know, Salesforce has eyes of all of our sales leadership. Vivin is just what my solutions team needs to know. So um, that's really been one of the biggest benefits. And I hope that I was able to share some some good nuggets and, uh, you know, advice along the way today. Absolutely. I did not pay her to say any of this, just for the record. (laughs) (laughs) No, she actually didn't. No, it's so true. You are just such a a wonderful power user, Katie. Thanks again. I'll let you run and congrats on all of the big things happening in your life. Iterable. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting and I am sure we'll be talking more in the future, Perry. Thanks. Bye.